The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It is Tuesday, June 16th. The editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Once again, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we're getting closer to training camp. How are you holding up? All right. It'll be fun to be getting back to football. I know. I think we're all ready to see if the Chiefs can do this. There, of course, are some obstacles, not only for the Chiefs, but for the entire league in getting this thing rolling. We'll talk about that in today's show. Basically, just want to let you guys know, so this will be the only editor's show this week, and it'll be a little spotty in July, as we mentioned this is the time before training camp. It's really the only time all year where the Chiefs aren't interacting. This is their their true month off. So we use this time to, to get away. So there'll be periods where we aren't available to podcast throughout July. But once practices resume, we should be full go. Probably twice a week, we'll have a schedule locked down for when the preseason and regular season begins and and all of that fun. In this show today, we'll go through the latest Chiefs news. Chris Jones is one month till that deadline. Andy Reid was on Colin Cowherd. Uh, Some more updates on the racial injustice front. Take a quick break. We'll talk about some weaknesses of your Kansas City Chiefs. Hard to believe that there's weaknesses for the Super Bowl champions, but there are. So we'll go through some of that talk. We'll talk about how many days until. And just to show you how close we are to some very big dates in the NFL season, we'll take another break. We got some ranking the Chiefs updates from John Dixon. And it's video game week at SB Nation. So we had some comments by you about Chiefs that you like to use in Madden. But let's talk probably, I would say, the biggest matter of the week when it comes to the Chiefs on the field. And that's Chris Jones. Here we are. We're a day after what was the one-month mark for the Chiefs to somehow, some way, sign this guy to a long-term contract extension. And right now, hard to feel positive about this if you want to see Jones uh, sign a long-term deal because we had mentioned it on previous episodes. The Chiefs had maintained that there had been consistent contact with Jones' representation, and that was thwarted by a report a couple weeks back of Ian Rappaport basically saying, sounded like Chris Jones' side, that there's been no contact since the Chiefs issued the franchise tag. Yeah, it's hard to know what to think about this. On the one hand, the Chiefs like Jones. They want him to play here. They're willing to put the franchise tag on him, which means they're willing to pay him a big salary to play here for one more year. Those are all the things that we know have happened. The rest of it is kind of unknown. And what the future holds is a big question mark right now. I've previously speculated here on this show that it may be that the Chiefs are just not wanting to sign uh, any long-term deals because of the uncertainty about where their salary cap will go in 2021, because of the possibility that the league 
lose a lot of revenue this year. And that might be the case. At this point, though, I don't even know how to predict what's going to happen. I think the Chiefs were in okay shape when it came to Chris Jones because, yeah, maybe they were seeking something similar to Aaron Donald money, which is 22.5 per year. But the Chiefs could always go back and say, look, Chris, you're a great player. You're not Aaron Donald. I mean, you look at the past four years, Aaron Donald has 52 sacks, 13 forced fumbles. Jones, of course, 33 sacks, seven forced fumbles. There's a lot more stats where you can look at and try to evaluate these guys some more in depth. But no matter how you look at it, Donald is an elite player. Jones is probably a tier under him. So the Chiefs could always say, you know, we have to pay you less. The Chiefs got a little... I'd say screwed. Maybe that's not exactly the right way, but by their old friend, Chris Ballard, who used to be in the player personnel department for the Chiefs, when he goes and trades a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner, and then, referring to Spotrac here, you look at the contract terms that they gave him, $21 million per year, and you look at the stats, you could make the case that Chris Jones is a comparable, if not better, player than DeForest Buckner. Over the past four years, 33 sacks for Jones, only 28 and a half for Buckner. A lot of people will say Buckner's better against the run than Jones. Better against the run is a little bit harder to prove. It's, it's really a sack equals money type of world. So now you look at Jones' camp and you try to figure out what's going on right now. They got to be looking at Buckner's total and saying 21 million a year. That is the floor. Because before you could say, you know, he's nowhere close to Donald and have a case if you're the Chiefs. 21 million has to be the floor based upon everything you heard last offseason. The Chiefs weren't willing to pay close to that. And then you have the franchise tag where it's $16.1 million for Jones this year. That's more than he's ever made in his first four seasons combined. So, that is what could be a, a consolation prize in a sense for Jones. I think taking all of this information in, no matter what, and you, you, know, you think about the Pat Mahomes contract, this really does seem like the last year in a Chiefs uniform for Chris Jones based upon all the indications the Chiefs have given us. I don't know if we know, if we can even really speculate with any kind of accuracy. We know three things that could happen here. One of them is that no deal will be reached and Jones will sign the franchise tag and play for $16 million. A deal isn't reached. He chooses to sit out and sit out through as many as 10 games of the regular season. If that happens, he won't play for any team but the Chiefs if he plays in 2020 or the nuclear option that the Chiefs can't right. make a deal with, with uh, Jones and rescind the tag which gives them their salary cap money back, $16 million that they could use for other things and make Jones a free agent and essentially get a third round pick for him in 2021. I don't think anybody wants to do that, but you have to consider the possibility that could happen. The nuclear option is interesting because normally you would say, well, this is never going to happen, but this particular situation with Jones and the chiefs and the representation, it feels a little nasty and you can't ever rule out that nuclear option mm -hmm. when you have a situation that's nasty. I, I hope that deadlines push deals in this case. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like tag or nothing right now for me. You know, if I, I'm giving Jones advice, I'd say, look, this will be your last year in Kansas City for all the reasons I described. Show up on time whenever that is. We, we don't have an exact date. We don't have an exact location right now. And give yourself the best possible chance to prove to all 31 other teams that you deserve the type of money that you're seeking. And maybe you get it next year. And I, I just think not, and not a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of fans want to hear that. I mean, a lot of people want Jones to stay. I just, I just can't see it happening in Kansas City right now for 2021 and beyond. You know, that's the exact same advice I would give if I were Jones' agent. But it doesn't seem that players get that kind of advice from their agents. No. More often than not, they're looking for the most money any player's ever been given to play the position. 
rather than trying to make some kind of a deal based on what their true value in the league is. And I get it. Nobody wants to feel like they're less than another player. That's what you want in an NFL player, a guy who believes he's the top player in the league. I understand that. But at some point, reality has to set in. And the reality of this situation is that given the uncertainty over the salary cap next season, the Chiefs don't have a lot of options to pay him top money. This might be the best he could do. And under these circumstances, it might be the best that he could do. I'm not sure that any team is going to want to pay him a big contract if he suddenly becomes on, comes on the market as a free agent at the end of this process in mid-July. I'm not sure he'll get a better deal than $16 million a year. The leverage the the Jones camp does have is the Chiefs don't have a comparable player to him right now. I mean, you could right. say Derek Nottie's right. okay. Colin Saunders is developing. Like when Dontari Poe was leaving, Jones was waiting in the wings and you, you had someone there. I mean, make the case that if the Chiefs don't have Jones, they don't win the Super Bowl with how important he was in the fourth quarter. So they need him for this season if they're trying to run it back. And I, I again, I just... I look at him as a guy that does one more year in Kansas City and makes the big bucks elsewhere. We are one month until Chris Jones' long-term contract extension deadline here. Want to move on to Andy Reid on Colin Cowherd. He appeared on Cowherd's program for Fox Sports late last week. Colin largely played the hits. It was Patrick Mahomes and Brett Feach. I found this particular segment interesting i'll play it for you i I think we learned a little bit of new information you you are maybe the only coach that's given belichick fits and one of the reasons i i believe is because he eats up system guys but guys that come in every september with new looks and new wrinkles and bill hasn't seen it uh frustrate even the greatest coaches so i know in this pandemic you've been just drawn up plays i know you you're sitting up there drawing all this craziness if i said to you first snap september 10th september 12th how many new plays have you just sat with your wizard board and drawn up well i've got uh, yeah i mean that's what we do and so i've had a lot of time to do it and i love doing that part of it and we've got some good stuff and the challenge is to keep to keep challenging patrick and to keep him growing to give them that opportunity. Players hate to be sitting there stagnant. So we, it's one thing you love doing as a coach is just finding that one more thing that you can get to even make them greater than they already are. So uh, that's what that's what we do, and we, we enjoy doing it. And I, I've got a lot of time to do it, and we've got some really good stuff, man. I can't, I can't wait. I know you're picking the Denver Broncos, but I can't wait <laughs> to jump in and get this thing rolling. <laughs> well, come on. So I, I have time to amend my picks, Andy. It's, it's June, for gosh sakes. All right. All right. I thought I'd put this shirt on to kind of remind you, you know, that, uh, you know, that it's time to go almost and, uh, <laughs> and, and that you get the right team right. All right. We'll have to readjust that. So there you go. Andy Reid on Colin Cowherd. What I thought was interesting there was... Well, A, he's not going to tell Colin how many new plays he has. It's probably over 100, if, I, if I'm guessing. But he was excited about the new plays, and he also mentioned Mahomes growing. So we were in a place where Mahomes admitted in his first year he still couldn't read defenses. He's past that now. We saw the offense grow last year where it seemed like Mahomes had even more options. I'm beginning to wonder if Andy Reid is grooming this offense and grooming Patrick Mahomes into being this type of deal where it's, and forgive me here, Chiefs fans, Peyton Manning-esque, where Mahomes is so in tune and so familiar with the probable defensive game plan, and he's got such a grasp on the playbook where rather than Andy Reid saying, no, we're going with this play, He has a couple options at the line, maybe after the snap, a couple options. I mean, this is one of the better players we've ever seen. Now you're giving him degrees of variance for the offense to be even better. I got a little bit of that in that little tidbit with Colin Cowherd. What do you think about that, John? Well, I think if the goal isn't to turn Patrick Mahomes into a Peyton Manning-esque player, then 
the coach needs to be fired. I mean, let's be realistic <laughs> about this. That was that's always been what Mahomes was going to be. He was going to be a player who was as smart and had as much vision as Peyton Manning, but had the athletic skills and the attitude of Brett Favre. That's what we've always had with Mahomes. So any effort to do anything but turn him into Peyton Manning and have that additional athleticism and attitude that Favre had just seems like it would be a waste of his talent. And it seems like he might even be a little bit further along than those two guys when it comes to mental acuity and his photographic memory. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with that. Eric Bieniemy's talked about that a number of times where Mahomes can, like you've seen McVeigh a little bit of the Rams, just remember exact plays, exact looks, exact coverages. And that helps you adjust later on in the game. And you wonder how Reed is tapping into that. I also thought during this quote of Clyde Edwards Alaire, you suddenly have a player who maybe you could leave on the field, whether you're running the football or passing the football, because he mixes in like a wide receiver almost instantaneously. So hoping everything happens on time because I'm eager to see this Andy Reid offense in 2020 with the growing Mahomes and this added weapon. Want to just move like one look at his wizard board, however. <laughs> I want to see what the wizard board looks like. <laughs> you wonder if he has one of those, those wizard hats. Yeah. <laughs> On the racial injustice front, we've seen this in recent weeks, and uh, I've seen a number of people over the weekend complaining about the editor's show. Just want to tell you, this is the new reality in the NFL. The NFL is taking a, a vastly different approach to this this time around than a few years ago with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, The commissioner last night said Colin Kaepernick's name on ESPN. Uh, They are behind the players. So uh, if you're tired uh, of hearing this, you may want to start looking for a different show, different sport altogether, because I think this is going to be uh, prevalent throughout the 2020 season. The Chiefs offered Uh, their employees a graphic to post on their personal channels in support of players saying, we support and and love our players. I thought that was a sign of the organization trying to speak as one here, supporting Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew and Andy Reid in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And this from the Chiefs just last night on Monday evening, they will give Juneteenth off on Friday, just like the NFL League office, the Denver Broncos, Nike, Twitter, Uh, Vox Media, our company, is giving Friday off as a company holiday, commemorates the end of slavery in the United States. And here was the statement from the Chiefs. As our community and the country work toward a future without racial inequality and the injustices that have remained ingrained in our society for far too long, the Chiefs will recognize Juneteenth on Friday, June 19th, as a holiday. During this time, the club offices will be closed, and we will encourage our staff to examine how each of us and our organization can work toward a better future together. It's been a turnaround for the Chiefs, who I think stayed out of it a bit the last time, and now with Mm -hmm. the Broncos are, I think, blazing the trail a little bit to support the movement uh, this time around. Well, but this has always been true for the Chiefs. They've always stood against racism right from the beginning of the franchise. Hank Stram was famously colorblind. We had an article yesterday about Lloyd Wells, the Chiefs scout, who was the first full-time black scout in the NFL. Well, he was in the AFL then, but the first full-time black scout in uh, professional football. This has always been the team's position on these kinds of issues. We really shouldn't be surprised by it. And I understand why people, I get it. I understand why people don't want to hear about this stuff. For a lot of people, sports is an escape and we want you to have that escape. But sometimes these issues are going to cross over into sports and we have an obligation to cover them and we're doing that the best we can. Right. And again, I, I'm not going to say I didn't see some of the complaints over the weekend about our, our show. I mean, we post timestamps in, in the description. If this is really bothering you so much, you can skip around, listen to what you want. But it's reality. I mean, I wish that you wouldn't. And that's the only thing I'll say. I wish that you wouldn't because I think this is a big deal. This is a monumental time, both in the league and our country. And I think, in my opinion, 
you should be proud of the way the Chiefs are handling this. I didn't like the way they handled Marcus Peters. I really didn't, where they were almost trying to silence what, what he was going after. And this seems like a complete 180. And so, again, good on the organization. Continuing on in the news, the Chiefs, returners, and running it back. John, I'll turn to you for this segment. The Chiefs, as you said earlier this week on one of your articles for AP, are ranked as the NFL's second best in a measure that is rarely considered. Took a lot of heat for that uh, because we have, in fact, been talking about this on Arrowhead Pride almost since the end of the Super Bowl, and we have been. The ranking that we were talking about was from ESPN, and they did things like calculate the number of snaps that starters for this season had last year on both the offense and the defense, how many starters there were, how many assistants were returning, how many coordinators are returning. You know, they turned it into something that they were calculating to get some kind of a score over which team would have the most continuity going into 2020. And by all of that, they came up with a, a, a ranking that gave the Chiefs the second best continuity score coming into 2020. So I understood why people thought, oh, yeah, like we've never talked about this. Well, yeah, on Arrowhead Pride, we've talked about it a lot. But what's interesting is that the rest of the league seems to be realizing that the Chiefs are doing exactly the right thing, given the circumstances of the season. Right. And the Chiefs have maintained that this was always the plan, even if there was no COVID. Right. You can make a case that this was a good plan anyway, just because of how successful the, the team was last year. Why not try to do it with the same guys, especially with big contracts like a franchise tag for Jones coming up, like Patrick Mahomes, who you hope is done by the time these type of workouts for training camp or Zoom. So especially I think now in the climate, we'll say it again, the Chiefs are in good shape when it comes to Andy Reid knowing exactly what he has. We just talked about Andy Reid drawing up plays. He doesn't have to imagine anything because there are real no new, hugely new offensive pieces besides Clyde. They seem to have a good grasp of, of what he can do. So there you go. Second best in, in that measure. A good article by John. Don't worry about the haters, John. You know what I mean? There's going to be haters. Sure. <laughs> the Chiefs took home three awards from the KC Sports Commission. Tyron Matthew was named Sportsman of the Year. Brett Veach, the GM, named Executive of the Year. And head coach Andy Reid named the Coach of the Year. I, of course, have a hot take on this. I think we got some Patrick Mahomes fatigue happening already. Tyron Matthew was a great player for the Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes, to me, continues to be the most important Chief. He is the most valuable Chief, so on and so forth. I mean, you see the Madden trailer come out. I understand Lamar Jackson is on on the cover, but no Mahomes in the Madden trailer already. I think the NFL and even locally at the KC Sports Commission. We're, we're just so used to Patrick Mahomes being otherworldly that you're starting to see him omitted from this. And Andy Reid has had this for years too, where you have plenty of years where he should be the coach of the year or Tom Brady. You know, a lot of people get Brady sickness. I think some of that Mahomes fatigue is starting to creep in, but let's not forget, uh, this is one of the, generational players and you might be used to this insane quarterback play but let's not forget about all the years prior when you were looking for this type of quarterback play right uh well i don't think anybody was concerned that vic fangio of the denver broncos was going <laughs> to win the kc sports commission coach of the year award so none of this should be particularly surprising and i certainly am not going to say that matthew doesn't deserve the award um but you make a good point there there may come a time and perhaps that time is beginning now, that we get a little Mahomes fatigue. I think most Chiefs fans probably wouldn't say that. You can see my shirt. Patrick is my homie uh, that I'm wearing today. So it may be a while away yet. I, I do think you'll see it in the league. I, and because, and I experienced this as a fan even before I became a reporter. I mean, Tom Brady was fantastic to watch. Eventually, you just got sick of hearing about Tom Brady. I wonder if that happens nationally away from Kansas City. And then when he plays enough years in, in, in Kansas City, will you start to just forget what 
it was like to to get average quarterback play. Like we are only a few years removed right now from 18 of 25, 250 yards and two touchdowns being a really good day for Alex Smith. He was solid today, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, not, let's just not forget about that. That is your news though. Plenty of it right there. Really good for a summer in which it, it seems like the virtual off season is completely over and now we're moving on. When we come back, we'll get into a Sports Illustrated article that highlighted every AFC team's biggest weakness and we'll tell you ours for the Chiefs. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, Talking about every AFC team's biggest weakness. This was an article put out by Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated. And I, I found it fairly interesting. And I, I'll read you the entry for the Chiefs. It was one of these articles where he goes through each and every team in the National Football League. This is the AFC version. I'm sure he'll have an NFC version. The Chiefs got a nice 2019 from cornerback Rashad Fenton. He could be a low-cost building block here, but as the rest of football expands to match Kansas City's explosiveness, they'll need more bodies on the back end. Tyron Matthew is not going to be enough. Again, this is nitpicking. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions and possess the best player in football, so everything gets held up to a gargantuan standard or naming cornerback as the Chiefs' weakest position. John, I'll tell you what I think, but I'll start with you. Do you agree or disagree and why? Well, I have said for a long time that I'm most concerned about the linebacking core, and I, I still hold with that. I'm, I'm very pleased with the moves made in the draft. Uh, you know, I think we got in Willie Gay Jr. a really good player that can help there, but they don't have a lot of depth. There's serious questions about some of the players who are starting. I don't feel that way about the cornerbacks for the Chiefs. Of course, I've felt this way for a long time. You know, going into last season, I was the guy waving my arms and saying, you know, the cornerbacks aren't that bad. We don't have to go out and get some big free agent player to build up the cornerback position because we're really not that bad. And it turns out that was right. But I could have been wrong, of course. And I might be wrong now. But my concern about the cornerbacks is more about 2021 because we really do have very few under contract for, for that year. Yeah, I, I don't agree with this. And, and this is a, a national take. And it's hard to know, I think, the details of a team when you have to go through each and every team. So it's not sure. like I'm, I'm blaming Connor or here. But I think you saw in Steve Spagnuolo's system last year that you could lump in the cornerbacks a bit with the safeties because he's building this system where it's a little interchangeable. Of course, you have your outside cornerbacks, but the amount of safety help that was designed in this because of maybe the skill level. And, and I just look at it more as a unit where you have Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill's coming back. Danny Sorensen did a nice job last year. Rashad Fenton, as mentioned in the article. Tarvarius Ward, to me, has some proving to do after a a playoffs where our own AP lab identified maybe he wasn't as good as some people thought he might have been. But there are some options there. I like Antonio Hamilton. I've said that on this before. There's Bo Pete Keys. There's Lajarius Sneed. Alex Brown is someone that the Chiefs are, are high on. If you're continuing to lump the safeties together, maybe Armani Watts takes a step forward here. There are some lottery tickets mixed in as well. And to me, Tyron Matthew elevates that whole room. I look, and I agree with you, John, at the second level, the linebackers, and especially the run defense. This was something Anthony Hitchens himself said, and this was not us writing anything. This is not us with our amateur eyes looking at the tape. This is Anthony Hitchens saying, look, we stunk at defending the run. We need to get better at that. I think you see the Chiefs, they've been in dire need of a weak side linebacker. That's why they went out and got Willie Gay Jr. This was a position that, that they felt they really needed to address along with running back, but we know the strengths of the running backs. So you would never consider running back, but linebacker is somewhere where they needed a new player. They needed some new blood to push guys like Anthony Hitchens, to push guys like Damian Wilson and Dorian O'Daniel, who was supposed to be your weak side linebacker. So to me, I think it is linebacker, especially against the run. And there is that worry for me behind Chris Jones. We talked a little bit about it in the last segment. Defensive tackle, if you 
extract Chris Jones and he does hold out for whatever reason, that's a weak position for you right now because I really don't think you have an answer behind him. And you talk about Derek Nottie, who's solid. Xavier Williams is no longer on the team. Mike Pinnell is, is a good role player, but he's not Chris Jones. And, you know, I think about that. And I also think left guard is interesting because if you look at this entire team and you're trying to name starters, that's the only position where you really aren't sure how it's going to mm-hmm. shake out. Isn't that the sign of a weak position that you don't know who's going to be playing there? And so to me, there are a few options before I think you would ever consider cornerback and not killing or for this because cornerback is an obvious one. If you just look at the list of the names, but you dig deeper into the team, there are other issues that I think you're really going to be examining once training camp rolls around. And part of that is also watching what the other teams in the AFC West are doing. You know, part of that is looking at the Broncos getting all those wide receivers in the draft and, you know, the other AFC West teams concentrating on speed in order to try and keep up with the Chiefs. So it's natural to think, well, the Chiefs had better have good cornerbacks. And you look at the roster that the Chiefs have from outside, you know, Bashad Breland, he hasn't been a big player for a couple of years. Charvarius Ward is somebody that the Chiefs picked off the tail end of the Cowboys roster. And yet he has proven to be a pretty darn good cornerback. You know, is he a right. shutdown corner? No. But the Chiefs demonstrated last year, as you noted, with Steve Spagnuolo's defense, that you don't necessarily have to have a player like that. And they showed that they could make it work. That's why I am not as worried about it as somebody who's looking at the team from the outside, just because I see it more up close. I think it's also interesting, though, you mentioned the AFC West, where the Raiders and the Broncos in Henry Ruggs and KJ Hamler go out and try to get their own Tyreek Hill. I think the Chiefs move to counteract that was Legarius Sneed, who runs a 4-3-7, 40-yard dash. So you think about all the speed sure. that's building up. Maybe Sneed, let's say he's a little bit raw than you would like. Maybe he's inserted into the lineup a little bit earlier here because of you're now dealing with the token speed guy. And there is that copycat part of the league where you are seeing other teams trying to copy the Chiefs and going and, and getting some guys like Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman just kill them with speed and speed and speed. And then you have this tight end and Travis Kelsey. Maybe that's why you see Noah Font. And they're going in that direction. And it's a little bit of copycat, I think, especially with the Broncos. And I have been saying this and I get a little bit of heat, heat for this considering we are in Missouri. Drew Locke's got to show me he's closer to Patrick Mahomes or, or to me that doesn't matter. But again, that's why they play the games, John. You know, I, I, they don't play him on Madden. They don't play him on paper. They play him on the gridiron. And so we'll see how the Broncos fare against the Chiefs twice this year, hopefully, right? I mean, everything is, is, is tentative at this point. All right, got some perspective for you out there who love days until. I love days until. I think they can sometimes serve as a rude awakening. We are 39 days until training camp for the Chiefs. The report date is July 25th. Right now, it seems like the league is pushing forward on time. We did get some news this week around the league. I thought that was worth noting. John, you covered this for us on Arrowhead Pride this morning. The Cowboys and Texans had a number of players, including Ezekiel Elliott, who was not happy yesterday about his date again now, testing positive for coronavirus this week. We're starting to get a better picture of how this will work, and it'll include the players getting tested, it seems like, three times a week, which is a lot. I've seen some of these tests. They, it looks like they stick a tube up your nose. I know there's a, another test where there's a saliva swab. I, I wonder if there's varying tests as you go along here. But testing is going to be the key part of this. Yeah, it certainly will, because without the testing, you don't really know what's going on. And the league is going to have to know what's going on in order to proceed through this period of training camp and the season and maybe for a year or two beyond that. You know, we just don't know how long this is going to go on. We'd love for it to be on. Well, we'd all love for it to be over tomorrow. But guess what? That's not happening. And we're going to have to deal with it for as long as it lasts. So testing is going to be the key to all that. 
Yesterday, the top officials from the NFLPA met with a group of sports agents during a conference call, and the NFLPA said, yeah, you should tell your players that they should be expect to be tested every three days or so, and if they test positive, they're going to be isolated, which presumably, I suppose, means they won't be playing in any games that take place during that isolation period. And they also talked about uh, the possibility of the league losing about $3 billion in revenue if games are played without fans this year. So these are all big issues that the league is going to have to struggle with during the upcoming season. What a strange world it's going to be because you're getting guys right that that will get the virus but will be symptom-free. That's what's so interesting about mm-hmm. coronavirus. So they may test positively, feel 100% ready to go, and you'll get to see some quarterbacks probably pulled from games. I think, I think this is the year for me as I'm examining this where your backup quarterback is going to be very, very important because I mentioned week mm-hmm. three to you this morning, John, before we got on here, you got Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes in a blink of the eye this could be Chad Henney versus RG3 because there's just mm-hmm. no telling how coronavirus can work. And I don't know, don't want to kill Chad Henney here, but is that a strong enough backup quarterback for everything that your offense can offer? I mean, I know we saw Matt Moore win a game last year. They opted not to bring him back. That's to me where someone like Jordan Ta'amu gets interesting. And, and again, Look, kind of talking out of my ass here, kind of spitballing, but you can see how this year can get layered really quickly of things Mm -hmm. that you've never really thought you might have to think about before where they may come into play at every position. Right. Well, and in in some senses, it's very much like having to deal with a lot of injuries. It's just going to be spread about teams even more. We're going to have to deal with injuries and the possibility that players might miss games because they've tested positive for a COVID infection. I mean, we don't really know how this is all going to play out. Even under the existing rules that allow you to put a practice squad player on your active roster because somebody's gotten sick, that's really only written to accommodate a single week. Right. And a player who tests positive is likely going to be isolated for at least two weeks. So we're not quite sure how that's all going to play out or if the league and the NFLPA could work up some kind of temporary modification of that rule for the 2020 season only so that teams have more flexibility. Uh, we just don't really know. So, you know, we need, to, we need to have a countdown to when we actually know something on your list there. Because <laughs> a lot of this we don't know and we won't know until well into it. Continuing with days we do know, 60 days until the first scheduled preseason game for the Chiefs. That's August 15th, Chiefs-Bengals at Arrowhead Stadium. Problem here is that that will probably get pushed back. We have heard that the league will probably go with two preseason games instead of four. So you wonder if the first one just gets wiped out. So right now, though, 60 games until the first scheduled preseason game. 81 days until roster cutdown day. We heard the AP Laboratory on the last podcast talking about some Chiefs that maybe moved to the deadline. I like their prediction for a running back to be moved. You're seeing some fans with their arms in the air about their prediction of Damian Williams potentially getting moved. I think that's a real possibility. Him or Darwin Thompson, to me, these are two players who have some value to them at a position where you're going to have, I think, extra bodies. So that'll be an interesting day, but that's less than three months away. And then, John, we're only 86 days until Chiefs and Texans on opening night. And that is September 10th. And I just think the hope right now is that that date of all these dates doesn't get moved because if that date is moved, then you're getting into some, some diciness here. Oh man. Yeah. I don't even want to think about what the season would be like if they have to move games. I mean, the NFL talked about this, like this was all easy to do. It's not that easy to do. When you think about everything that goes into the NFL schedule, I think it's a lot more likely if that game isn't played on September 10th, right? Is the, right. Open, the first day. I think it gets moved to the tail end of the season. I, I think that's what the NFL is going to try and do is that any games that aren't played early in the year will be made up after the fact. But 
you know, whether that's even doable is unknown. I, I would hesitate to predict anything about how the season will play out. It should be one of the most memorable years ever, I think, too, because you're going to have the current president of the United States in an election butting heads with the commissioner if the signs mm-hmm. have indicated yeah. once again. That'll be explosive off the field. You have a lot of these police brutality issues that matter to the players that is going to be huge and, and was a hotly debated topic a couple of years back. I just expect that to continue while you have all of this unpredictability when it comes to the coronavirus and the schedule. We will never maybe see a year like 2020 for the NFL ever again. It's going to be like a year we've never seen before. It'll, it'll certainly be, be one to remember. Again, we are within three months of some important dates and, and we know how time goes. This is going to fly. So we'll see how the NFL reacts to each and every obstacle and, and matter that comes up. If you're wondering, 163 days until Thanksgiving with that sweet <laughs> turkey and, and gravy, 192 days until Christmas. So, John, I hope you've been good. And 236 days until the Chiefs Super Bowl title defense against Tom Brady and the Bucks <laughs> at home in Tampa, Super Bowl 55. <laughs> so, there you go. Less than 240 days away until the Super Bowl. Don't blink because like it'll what you think there. Yes, don't blink. Uh, we know that that it'll come quick with how the NFL season goes. All right, we're going to take a break and then we got one more segment for you. We'll have some ranking and the Chiefs updates from John. Who do you, the readers, think are the top five Chiefs of all time? Plus, it's video game week at SB Nation. I got some good responses to read you guys. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, wrapping it up for the week. Again, this will be our one and only program for you guys until next Tuesday. And so I wanted to dive into some ranking the Chiefs updates. This is a series that we had like eight to 10 weeks. Every contributor ran through their top five Chiefs. And now we've turned it over to you, John. You've been steering this ship. So what do you got for us? Well, uh, our contributors, we totaled up the points that they gave in their rankings. And uh, we gave Derek Thomas, Patrick Mahomes, Len Dawson, Derek Johnson, and Jamal Charles our nods for the top five players in Chiefs history. And then when we uh, totaled up the votes and weighted the votes based on the uh, reader polls on each one of those articles, it was... Pretty much the same, but not exactly. Tony Gonzalez moved into number four. Will Shields came up into number five, replacing Derek Johnson and Jamal Charles. So in this past week, we are actually last week, I should say, we gave readers an opportunity to, rather than vote through the bias of our picks, pick their own lists of top five chiefs. And I found this very interesting. The readers have no compunction putting Patrick Mahomes as the greatest chief of all time, despite only playing for two seasons as a starter. He tops the list, followed by Derek Thomas. And then Len Len Dawson is in there at number three, as he is on all three of these lists. Then Tony Gonzalez, just as in the contributor-adjusted list. And then Bobby Bell moves into fifth place, replacing Will Shields and Jamal Charles from the first two lists. So I thought that was all very interesting. I uh, then took um, a look at what the numbers might say to see if there was anybody that we maybe should have considered, whether we contributors should have considered or whether the readers should have considered. Uh, Looking at pro football references, approximate value metric. In total AV during their Chiefs career, you see players that nobody mentioned, like uh, Jim Tyrer and... Johnny Robinson, Chris Burford, I thought was interesting. He is one of the leaders in that metric for his total AV during his Chiefs career. And then if you looked at the Chiefs that had the highest average AV during their seasons with Kansas City, top of the list, Mitchell Schwartz. Nobody mentioned his name as one of the top five Chiefs of all time. Again, Chris Burford, Alex Smith, Trent Green, Abner Haynes, 
I think is one that we all should have given more credit to. He was a phenomenal player for the Chiefs in the early 60s, but nobody brought him up. Even Tyreek Hill is on this list with the highest average per season as a Chiefs player. So very interesting. It's hard to pick mm-hmm. just five guys for this list, any way you slice it. But it's been a lot of fun, and it's uh, generated a lot of interesting discussions that I've enjoyed reading, and, and I've certainly enjoyed taking part in this process. I can't believe we, like the rest of America, pro-bold Mitch Schwartz. I mean, we, we, yeah. we did not follow <laughs> our, our own advice there. Good on Bobby Bell, I think, because easier for Len Dawson to push through the recency bias, probably mm-hmm. a little bit tougher for Bobby Bell. And I think he deserves that recognition, not only for his play on the field, from everything you hear. I didn't have the luxury of, of getting to watch Bobby Bell, but also the leadership off the field and, and being a, a community ambassador and really a, a forever member of the Chiefs organization, even even to this day. So no problems here with Bobby Bell. I don't know if a Falcon should be on the, on the top five of the Chiefs all-time list, but that we're stuck with Tony Gonzalez until Travis Kelsey can, can get past his, his yardage. But I agree. I mean, that was my number one for, for the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. I, I think eventually it'll be indisputable. Right now, there is, there is a case to be made that he shouldn't be on the list, at least yet, John. So there you go. I'm with you there. I mean, I said so in in my particular post. I did not pick Patrick Mahomes for the list, but not because I don't think he will be the greatest chief of all time. I think he will. I just think it's a mistake to, as I said in my post about it, it's just a mistake to put a player there based on future returns. I would prefer to have it be just retired players, say maybe those who are eligible for the Hall of Fame under their rules. But you know, if people don't feel that way, that's okay. That's just the way I feel about it. That's right. And that's the spirit of the article series. From reality, we go to the world of video games. It is video game week at SB Nation. And I thought this would be fun. I went onto the Airhead Pride Twitter account this week and I asked the fans, other than Patrick Mahomes, who's been the most fun chief to play with on the Madden football series. I got some good answers. This was a very common answer. Ash said Jamal Charles could not be tackled. And I've seen a number of people say that one guy tweeted at us this morning that in college, he was top 30 in the world at Madden. And Jamal Charles was a huge part of that because he just was so fast. So a number of Chiefs fans enjoyed playing with Jamal. Brent said Tony Gonzalez was unstoppable in the vision cone Madden. Uh, Another person said that they were showing their age. Derek Thomas was really fun to play in the Madden early years. John, you may be familiar with this one. KG Chief, I still prefer Krishna Koye on Tecmo Bowl. Said, <laughs> said he was unstoppable. I actually had the chance when I was still with Chiefs.com to play Krishna Koye on Tecmo Bowl on AeroVision for a social video, and he ended up being the Chiefs and he refused to pass. And after the game, I said, I think probably why you lost is because you didn't pass. He goes, I'm a running back. I run the football. And so he just tried to run with himself each time as we play. <laughs> Good on the Nigerian nightmare there. Uh, the Dr. K said Tyree Kill easily and tagged him on Twitter. So Tyree Kill ended up seeing our tweet, then quote tweeted it and said, Garrick Dieter, I think playing, uh, a little bit to the lighter side of who he would like to use in that. And so video game week at SB Nation. The Chiefs are probably a, a very fun team to play with right now in the last Madden. And the first trailer for Madden 21 came out today. I imagine next year will be the most fun Chiefs team to play with all time because they're starting to get pretty good on defense. And it's just weapon after weapon after weapon on offense, both on the field and I guess in, in the video game world. Yeah, well, I don't play Madden. so <laughs> yeah, That shocks me, John. I thought for sure that you were going to have a ton of Madden takes here. I, you know, I played Super Mario with my son when he was little. And we got, we got to the point that we defeated Bowser. It was a great moment for us at the end of the game. And then I just dropped video games like a hot potato. I have right. not played any video games since Super Mario. 
I don't know what it is about me. I mean, you know, normally you would think a guy like me, you know, kind of tech yeah, you're, you're tech savvy. Yeah. Yeah. That I would be all about the video games, but I never have been. So I, I'm not the guy to ask about playing Madden because I don't play Madden. I did once play on somebody else's system or something Madden for about 10 minutes when Priest Holmes was on the team. Oh, okay. And, and he was, he was amazing on that particular iteration of the Madden game. I remember, well, I'll just give the ball to Priest Holmes here on our own four yard line. And he ran it for a touchdown. (laughs) touchdown. Yeah. But that's my, that is literally my only experience playing any kind of football game other than pro quarterback, which was a board game that my uncle gave to me about 1970, I think it was. And it was really a cool game. You had offensive cards and defensive cards for two teams. And you would pick a card and the other player would pick a card for your play. And then you would roll the dice to add the variables that might occur in a play. And then you laid down your cards and they had numbers on them that showed how much the play was worth against the other play and then the dice figured into that calculation and then you gained yards based on what the cards said. When I was in high school, my buddies were programming the university's IBM 360 computer as a school project. I I actually had guys who were computer programmers in high school in the late 70s and they actually took the data that was on those cards and created a program for the game to be played on the IBM 360. And the, the way you did it on the, the board was that you had a grease pencil and you wrote on the, on the board where the play went. And they had it so the plotter put out the, the, uh, the output of the game. It was just crazy. This is I wish I could level. find one. I'll have to look on eBay and see if I can get one because it was a lot of fun to play. A YouTube video coming to an Arrowhead Pride channel near you very soon. <laughs> John and I playing this game. Well, that's it. Uh, this was fun. Very quick version of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We are in the midst of the summer. Once again, reminding you, the next time we'll join you is next Tuesday. So we'll be taking Thursday off of this program. There'll be another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory coming at you on Wednesday. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us. Five stars is what we like. For John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. You can catch us at Arrowhead Pride on Twitter and Facebook. And of course, ArrowheadPride.com. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. <laughs>